the League of Ireland player might be going on to Love Island. All right. Uh, yeah. Name him. Uh, oh no, no, we can't say. Well, like, is he an ex League of Ireland player? There's, 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 there's one or two. Why are you, why are you out of me like you? this, sir? Call, <laughs> <laughs> he got the call. You are listening to House of Football, brought to you by Sports Joe and William Hill. Hello, I'm Eric Lawler. Welcome to House of Football with Sports Joe and William Hill. I am joined this week on episode 11 with Longstan friend of the show, Mr. Alan Cawley, and we're delighted, both of us are very excited mm. and delighted to welcome uh, Warford FC manager, Mr. Keith Long. Keith, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Alan, for having me on. It's absolutely brilliant to have you, Keith, and I suppose we should immediately address the breaking news, which is the FAI Cup draw, which has just taken place, and uh, I suppose just before we came in, we were going to, wouldn't it be bizarre if uh, if, if the, the, the FAI Cup gods had thrown up the fixture of Bowes versus Waterford? We wanted it really, didn't <laughs> yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it turns out Bowes have been given a, draw, uh, a home draw against Shells, which is a, a really tough match for both clubs. Uh, some of the big ties in the, in the, in the round, Dundalk are home to Rovers. Uh, yourself, Keith, the Waterford boys are away to St. Michael's at Tipperary. Your initial reaction with that? Um, yeah, so we'll have to do our homework on St. Michael's. Um, obviously, uh, it's... It's a local enough derby, isn't yeah. it, in the southeast? So we're looking forward to that. It's, yeah. uh, you know, they'll they'll be delighted with the draw, I'm sure. St. Michael's at home facing Waterford. So, listen, um, it's interesting. You know, looking forward to it. It's nice to 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 get the FEI uh, Cup competition up and running now, yeah. and it's interesting to see some of the teams being pitted against each other. So, listen, St. Michael's will will, like I said, be be looking forward to. Well, they'll be highly now. motivated. Yeah, hundred yeah. yeah. percent. So it's, it's absolutely magic. It. The FEI Cup, I love it, um, and obviously covering the finals the last few years, never had much luck in it. But my uncle scored a winning goal uh, in the cup final in 83. Yeah, Harry McLaughlin, yeah. It's oh, a famous what? Harry McLaughlin against Bowes 83. I remember Harry well. bent it into the top corner. You're related to him. I'm not even the most famous in my own family. Oh, Harry's yeah. the legend. He broke my heart. <laughs> Harry's the legend. Broke my heart. Yeah, great goal. Tony Stenson got the first one. And then Harry won all, cut inside, little bender into the far post. And he's the hero in the family to this Speak, day. Speaking of people being related to people, it only, just, it only just came to notice very, very recently that the man to my left here, Mr. Keith Long, who was uh, my hero at Bowes. It looks like we're indirectly related, Keith, and I explained to you outside. So, what is it? Your second <laughs> now, if you get into this. <laughs> auntie. No, it's... Uh, so, basically, my, my aunt is living, lives in Arizona. She's married to me dad's brother, and she contacted me on Instagram ages ago going, do you know Keith Long? Said, uh, well, yeah, of course. I mean, he's Bowes manager, like, you know, and she says, I think I'm related to him. And I was like, what? And then she asked me to, did he grow up in Black Rock? Does he know Billy Long and Maureen Long? <laughs> and, and, and it turns out you did, Keith. I, I did, yes. Billy Long is uh, my father's first cousin. Right. So, and Maureen, obviously, was, was, was his wife. So um, Wow. Yeah. So oh, that's it. There you have it. It's a, it's a red hot scoop. Me and Keith Long are related. I love Distantly. it. So th- that, is a, that is a red hot scoop. <laughs> now we understand how <laughs> defiant Eric was in his defence of me yeah. in, in, in the last few months. Well, we're not related always, and I was defiant in my defence as well, <laughs> Keith. But on the, uh, just on the cup one there, a quick question, because I say we all love the cup and I feel as though we've still held on to the magic of the cup, whereas you look across the water, now it was good cup final Saturday in terms of maybe because it was a, the big derby or whatever, but we certainly have held on to the magic of the cup and it's a brilliant showpiece day. You're in a position now where your priority is getting promoted for Waterford into the Premier Division, but just how much focus maybe at the outset of the competition would you put on the cup even when you were at Bowes? Oh, it's usually important for every club to get a good cup run, you know, and I'm 
that's a cliche, but you know, we were lucky to get to a cup final a couple of years ago with Bowes and we, we saw what it meant to the club and what a, an occasion it was. Unfortunately, we came out the wrong side of the result, which was, you know, had a, you know, it was like like losing a loved one. It was a, there was a grieving process around it. But the magic of the cup still remains, Alan, to, to, you know, reflect upon your point. It's very simply, it's a brilliant competition. It's it's great to see the amount of non-league clubs coming into this, the, the, into the competition. And everybody gets excited about a good cup run and, we're no different at Waterford every club in the country will want to do well in the cup and it's exciting it's a difference uh, to the league campaign it gives you a different opportunity to do well and, and to bring success to your club mm. The um, just just on your, uh, the, the Waterford team Keith uh, we were just looking at, looking at your records since you took over 13 games 10 wins uh, 2 defeats 1 draw 44 goals scored and uh, only 10 conceded and as you probably mentioned, Ronald Cockman probably scored about 40 of them yeah, <laughs> in Ron, the 10 matches. But how have you found your time at Waterford since you, uh, since you started? Listen, I've really enjoyed it. The, 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 the difference in the Premier Division and First Division in terms of levels is, is quantum, really, to oh, really, be perfectly yeah. honest with you. And that's not being disrespectful to the league. Um, you know, we have to try and raise the standards across, across the, the divisions if we possibly can. Um you know, listen, I've really loved it at Waterford. The facilities there are second to none. Um, we're actually spoiled for choice in terms of uh, some of the facilities that we've got down there. We're a full-time team in what is a predominantly part-time league. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in some of the in some of the teams in, in the league are, have amateur players, have a lot of young players. So it's difficult for different clubs. Um, and yeah, like the, you, I mean, you went down to Kerry last night, the newest yeah. team in the league, and... Uh, Gave them a bit of a thumping, but they've had a few thumpings, but they're only new. They're, they're a young starting. team. Yeah. They're, they're new to the league, and, and, and Billy is obviously trying to do his best with what he has. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, every club has different objectives, and, you know, our objective is to try and get out of this division this year. It, everything's geared up in Waterford in terms of facilities, the infrastructure around the, the club. Um, you know, the support that we have at the club is fantastic. The the the, the city itself are, are, are proud of their football club, mm-hmm. and... Um, they have a proud you know, tradition, haven't they? They, they do, yeah. and obviously there's a big hurling community, um, and traditionally it's a it's a hurling county. But at the same time, we'd like to think that we've got something to offer. Um, you know, the the football people in the region in the yeah. southeast to come and and watch it, watch a good team play on a Friday night. Oh, yeah, and, and no better team the, at the moment. Uh, well, yeah, other than Galway, you <laughs> often hear the phrase "a sleeping giant," but it it actually is, isn't it, Keith? In terms of you mentioned the history and the heritage you had and winning league titles all those years ago, it's probably gone through the dull a little bit in recent years and but as you said the stuff that's off the pitch now and the infrastructure is there to yeah. maybe bring those days back hopefully well I wouldn't have come to the to the club or I wouldn't um, you know if I didn't feel that there's a vision for the club and, and the owner you know is having difficulties at this moment in time that I can't really get, get into too much detail um, but the support is there we're part of the Fleetwood group we're owned by uh, the Fleetwood group um, they understand football they understand the process of football uh, they want to try and make Waterford um, the best version of itself as we go forward I know that again that's a bit of a cliche but what does that look like for us right now um, we've got to try and get, get out of the division if we possibly can um, if we were able to do that can we become a sustainable uh, you know a permanent fixture in the Premier Division uh, I think it would be good for the league if the likes of a Waterford were to come back up uh, the Galway were to come back up mm-hmm. strengthen the league in the regional uh, centres where population and the appetite for football is there um, on, you know, on the Fleetwood partnership thing there Keith like how does that work in terms of say you set out at the start of a season of your budget in terms of bringing players in but 
can you tap into their kind of resources at any stage in terms of what players they might have available to come over here? Because I know there was a couple uh, last year over from Fleetwood and stuff. Can you do yeah. that? Well, well, the likes of Phoenix, Patterson and, and Junior have moved from Waterford to Fleetwoods mm. and obviously uh, I would have worked with Promise on, on my chair before he yeah, moved. Yeah, don't be trying to get him on loan now, do you hear me? Um, <laughs> you know, so, uh, listen, we've got three boys on loan currently mm. uh, in the Waterford squad from Fleetwoods. Um, so, so that 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 connection is is real. Uh, I mean, the, the, the is that a constant interaction yeah, yeah. with the with, well, with our, Fleetwood and their coaching staff or managers or whatever? Yeah, well, Scott be. Brown was over yeah. recently at games. We we we, we spoke with their S and C. We had I, I have daily communications with the recruitment um, uh, head of recruitment, uh, Joe Riley at Fleetwood. Will Watts, our operations manager um, from Fleetwood's operations manager, Steve Curewood, who's part of the EFL board. Mm. They were all over. We had a meeting with them yesterday uh, before our game in Kerry so they're they're really really involved in the club they're active uh, uh, um, in, in the club and they want the club to succeed and on the ground myself and Rennie Alan Reynolds have been tasked with trying to bring the club forward if we possibly can uh, at the outset, I said to you, Waterford, what, what, you know, what attracted me to the club? It's the history, it's the tradition, the potential, mm. you know, the potential, and and hopefully the support as as we move forward. You, you know, can we get up to a, a, a division? Can we compete in the Premier Division? Can we try and uh, become a sustainable Premier Premier Division club? All those things we've been tasked with. The objective, obviously, to get out of the division right now. That's going to be very difficult. Galway have been more or less imperious since mm-hmm. since the start of the season. And, um, you know, listen, it's a big ask to come through a playoff situation, promotion, relegation, all that type of stuff. Um, you know, it's a different league to the Premier Division. It's taken a little bit of time for me to adapt to, to certain things. Um, and you've done all right, Kate, now, in fairness, with those results. Well, <laughs> well, we're lucky that we got some good players. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the dynamic of the squad is quite young. The age profile in the squad is quite young. I think we're a little bit unbalanced in certain positions, so I'd like to get the balance of the squad uh, what I feel uh, to improve the squad as we go as we go along, and we do that with a view to making the group better, to make the team better, to make the club better, and and to deliver upon our obligation to the players to try and you know make them a better team, make them a better squad, and to improve them as we go forward. Because any ambitious young player wants to play in performing teams, wants to play in successful teams, and that's our job to try and bring success to the club. Right, that's the water for chat out of the way. Just uh, uh, no, can I? No, no, no. Uh, no go, go ahead, go on. Just, it's good to hear that in terms of the the, um, the communication and the partnership with the club because we often, whether it's bow shells, all the debate and discussion around the league a lot this season has been outside investment and we hear of clubs trying to link up with clubs in England. But I have no problem with that once they're here for the right reasons. And from your experience, I know it's a short time with them, Keith, but regardless of the troubles that's going on maybe with the owner, but you mentioned about the whole team of staff that were over maybe yesterday or whatever um, earlier on in the season as well, Scott Brown, the first team manager, they're here for the right reasons and for the long haul. Yeah, well, that's my impression of things so far. I can't yeah. predict the future. I don't yeah. know what's around the corner, you know, but, um, you know, absolutely, these are football people. They know the football industry in the UK um, at every level and their expertise we can lean upon. And and like I said, I'm in touch with Joe Riley, the head of recruitment, nearly on a daily basis. Um, we also know on the ground what, what Irish football looks like with mm. the experience that myself and Alan have. And the other backroom members of staff who have been fantastic since we came in. Um, you know, we, we have an idea of what football looks like in this country and what good teams need. And hopefully we'll be able to impact that as we go, as we go along. 
Right, Keith, I'm going to I'm going to go back in history, back in back in time now, and talk about your whole football journey. Obviously, you're, you're Saint Joseph, a proud Saint Joseph's man. Yeah. From from Sally Noggin. that's where it all all started for you as a, as a kid, I suppose, playing schoolboy football with Joey's. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then moved to Stoke. Yeah. So so I'm I'm from the borough. So right. anybody that uh, that uh, outside the borough calls it the borough, and inside the borough, you know, can be a little bit in <laughs> in in. in um, Incestuous a little bit, and okay. so everybody knows what everybody else is doing. Right. Um, you know, you know, but it's a it's a great place to live, and it's a great place to be from. You know, lots of good people um, from the area, and I would have grown up playing football. For, you know, with Rockford boys into Ballybrack boys. But um, rugby was never an option, Keith. No, no, nah, you're joking. Me. <laughs> I, I went to I went to a Christian Brothers school. Oh, right, okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm from Black Rock, but I, I didn't go to Black Rock College. If that's what you mean, Eric. You know? Okay, so, right. Um, so um, born and bred in Black, Black Rock, um, family from Black Rock, played for St Joseph's. Really, when you know, I started to come to the fore that I was yeah. half decent at yeah. football and whatever. Loved it, at Joe's. Um, unfortunately, we went quite the kingpins <coughs> in our schoolboy age group. Home farm led the way there they had an unbelievable team uh, full of international players like Gary Kelly um, you, you know there was Graham Cavanagh in the side right. lots of good players Mark Kenny lads uh, went on to make great careers ah, themselves. done yeah. really well for themselves like you, you know uh, Eddie Van Boxel played in gold mad as a brush and what have you you, you know but they were they were they were a superb side unbeaten over probably 10 years yeah probably. that's right yeah. Yeah, you that know. famous home frame team yeah. yeah so that's what we were coming up against but we had a half decent side ourselves played alongside the likes of Matt Britton who had a good career in league of Ireland played for Shamrock Rovers Dundalk um, James Mulligan played for Finn Harp Sligo so Cork old, City yeah. um, you, you know so we had, we had some half decent players ourselves But So uh, you were obviously one of the one of the, one of the good players as well Keith because you got that move to Stoke and uh, what was that like for you moving from Ireland to England and then I suppose uh, how long were you at Stoke there for like I, I was there probably <sighs> Probably three and a half years, yeah. really four years, maybe uh, when you consider the length of time that I'd, I'd been over and back. I'd, and I had an agreement in place prior to me leaving um, at 17, so I stayed on, didn't leave and started. I didn't go, oh, as, wow. I didn't go as a YTS or an apprentice. Yeah. Uh, as an apprentice, I went in as a pro. Um, there was a couple of other Irish boys that went away at that time. We went to a, a university tournament in Kiel, yeah, yeah. St. Yeah. Joseph Boys. We'd done well, we were scouted, we were over and back. Quite a number of times done quite well, and they, and and I was lucky enough to be offered so professional he was, he terms. He was before his time, Eric. You see? Yeah. yeah. Now the lads yeah. who are they have to stay here, and the the, the fortuitous thing about that and the good thing is that they'll get to do their leaving cert before they go away. Keith was still looking ahead and getting his leaving cert <laughs> while while dummies like us went away at fifteen, sixteen with no education, Eric. Well, this is the thing, uh, Keith. Like it, like. Can I talk to you a little bit about, I suppose, your move back to Ireland then from your time at Stoke and uh, you signed for, was it Dundalk you signed for? I signed for Dundalk when I came back yeah. from Stoke. But Eric, I suppose Stoke now is 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 a different, and being away in England, it's completely different to when myself and Alan went away. Okay. Now, I, I, I'm not quite sure, but it was difficult for me to live in England away from home at that particular time. We were living in Stoke. It's not the... Most glamorous. Not the glamorous of towns, a bit humdrum in terms well, of... Well, Messi could never do it there on a wet Tuesday night. Well, listen, <laughs> it, it, it was... It, like, you go to Stoke now, yeah. they've got an unbelievable academy, an un, un, unbelievable training centre, lots of, you know... Uh, backed by Bet365, the Coates family, you know, high net worth individuals pumping a lot of money into the football club. You, you know, it was different back when, when we were there, early 90s. The end of the Troubles, there was stuff going on. Mm -hmm. There was a Warrington bomb. We weren't really looked upon necessarily yeah. 
with, with a great fondness or affection. You know, these are Irish boys that are coming into our club to take away our jobs and that type of stuff. So there was a little bit of negativity and that sort of stigma that you were Irish in England at that time. And we're talking about early 90s. Yeah. So, like, it is 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Let's, or thir- over 30 years ago. I prefer to think of it as about 10 years y- ago. You know, crazy, so, yeah. but, you know, it shows you how much we've travelled, how much the modern day player how different it is for them to to go away they've they've got player player liaison officers they've got people that look after them they've got welfare officers within the academy systems they, they, so they're, they're, you're saying that, that that wasn't there when you were there it absolutely wasn't okay. you sink or swim and, and so, and, and so that contributes to your decision saying yeah I'm happy to go home now it, well it made you grow up very quickly okay. I think my mum would have said that to my sisters that he went away a boy and came back a man and um, you it's have funny to Keith uses that for sink or swim I said that to you today we have the chat about the stuff we we were having to do in terms of initiations and all okay, all yeah. sorts of stuff when I told yeah. told you some of those stories so yeah. and that's what it was Eric like in terms of the focus now on younger lads and rightly so and, and how politically correct everything is it was well you've got a philosophy now or it's a holistic it's a player centred approach that the club will do everything in the from a welfare point of view to, to make sure that the players are, are looked after on and off the pitch so the the, it, it, the systems now are much better you know okay. a lot more resources when you got when you went away in that time uh, you had a youth team you had a reserve team you had a first team and if you weren't part of the first team plans you were sort of cast aside to a certain extent um, it and a lot of loneliness with that Keith wasn't there like I found yeah. you know like if you weren't if, not not so much it was almost all the responsibility was just pinned on you as a 15, 16, 17 year old boy whereas as Keith mentions nowadays I'm sure the lads can go and speak to whoever they want for advice and guidance and help not just your family people at the football club who were employed yeah, to do that yeah. back yeah. then it was well, just you got, you got a situation where the world has become a lot smaller you know me going to Manchester and then driving to from Dublin to Manchester if flight then driving to Stoke um, you know, it seemed like an eternity away. Yeah. You know, it yeah. seemed like a, you know, a whole day's that, journey. You know, whereas yeah. now it's just more. You know, parents are more involved, mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. Um, you know, it just seems to be more geared up for players. Don't get me wrong; I'm not. I wouldn't have my time over again. But it was difficult. You know, when you're coming to terms with who you are as a person, mm-hmm. seventeen year old living away from home in a different country, and it's a foreign country, Britain. You know, England is a foreign country. What was so? So from that point of view, there's a there's an absolute. Uh, there's, there's a complete difference in culture yeah. you, you know and their culture is different to our culture it really and, is yeah. yeah so so, listen there was a it was a it was a, a time where it filled me with hope and I wanted to become a professional footballer I grew up idolising Liverpool and, and Kenny Dalglish and, and players like that, Keith. Like, like my opinions change on you now so, so what, what a great team they were in the 80s but that's who, that's who I grew up yeah. watching, watching football I wanted to be a, a professional footballer but didn't realise what it took to become a professional footballer and how cutthroat and uh, doggy dog the industry is and was so when you were coming back to Ireland then was there a sense of Disappointment? Did you was it, like? Did you feel a sense of failure in any way, or and like? And, and when you came back to Dundalk, had you got a sense of what the League of Ireland was about and what you're about to get into? No, I, I didn't feel a sense of failure. Um, um, you, you know, I probably felt I was. Um, I had done by. No, I, I, I listen. 
you come back, you're young, you don't fully understand the ramifications of, you know, the reality that you're back at home. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you quickly have to get your head around that. I was lucky enough, I went onto the football course in, um, in Leakslip with Morris Price and Jimmy McDermott at that time. Jim Crawford was on it. Um, As a young man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We went back. So I, I, I signed for Dundalk. Right. But, but any, any notions that I may have had at, at that time coming back were, were, were soon cast aside because I got a phone call from an old coach at Joe's saying that you want to sign for Joe's senior team. Um, so he rings me up and says, Keith, you're back home. Yeah, I heard you're being released from Stoke or you've left Stoke. Do you want to come down and play for the seniors down in yeah. Joe's? Yeah. <laughs> so so I, whatever I, I thought about myself as a player, Jimmy put me back in, on, on firm ground in terms of your realisation that you're home now. Get your head out of your arse. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but anyway, I ended up signing for Dundalk. But part of being at Dundalk as a young professional player, let's say, um, and I think I signed uh, as an amateur initially with okay. Dundalk having come back as a pro Who's the manager of Dundalk at the time? Uh, at the time it was Torlock O'Connor Oh so, wow Yeah yeah. Torley was, was, the, was the manager yeah. um, Shortly he went he moved on to Bowes and, and Dermot became it became manager but uh, part of me joining Dundalk I ended up being on the Foss course in, in League Slip with Jimmy McDermott uh, Morris Price great Morris Price brilliant he was with, Amazing, with, yeah. with the lads uh, Jimmy you know very good coach at that time with with the lads it gave you again daily training like I said Jim Crawford was there I think there was a fella called Spencer Binks that might have been at, at, at Bowes at oh yeah back. yeah yeah um, uh, what's his name Don um, I can't try and think of his first name Jesus Christ I was only talking about him the other day he played in the middle of the park ex Saint, Saint, Saint Johnson he came back and played for Bowes played for Crusaders up the north um, was on was on the course there was a few good lads like Joey Green ex-Belvedere yeah. player played a little bit in the league for Longford so so that that sort of it sort of helped you transition back mm. you know okay. from full time football we were getting football in the morning training in the morning travelling over to Leakslip from Blackrock two buses into town one bus into town one bus out to Leakslip then the, the the journey back so it soon grounds you and gets yeah. you back um, you know to, to football and the reality of football in this country as it was then and then we can fast forward then you sign for Pats then after that from Dundalk Dundalk, yeah, three good years at Dundalk, in and out of the team. I, I was a little bit unlucky with injury. I have to say, I got I got done up in the pre-season game and poured it down and missed. I missed the game against Man United. I missed the game against Liverpool pre-season. Missed 16 games, came back into the team. Uh, played a little bit. Tommy Connolly gave me his debut. They were in between Torlock and Dermot being manager. Tommy gave me his debut, my debut down in Cork. I played for the under twenty, uh, the reserve team as yeah, it was yeah. on the Saturday. Uh, I don't know who we played, but we won. Played a full ninety minutes and then made a de my debut down in Bishopstown against John John Caulfield. John Caulfield. I was playing right back. John was playing up front. Oh, yeah. Pat Morley. So I played ninety. Two great for strikers. Good Cork team. That good. Good Cork team. Declan Daly. Um, uh, Jimmy Barry, uh, Dave Barry, Dave Barry, uh, Jimmy Barry Murphy, Dave Barry. Uh, sorry, apologies, but um, good side. Bishopstown played a full ninety for the reserves on the on the Saturday. Played a full ninety for the first team on the Sunday. Uh, Travelled back up by bus, um, but Tommy Conley gave me uh, my 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 debut for 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 Dundalk at that time, and and Dermot came in, and you know he he brought he brought Richie Porty straight back in so I was, <laughs> so I was out my Damn had his ways yeah um, but just just like touch off briefly there Keith I suppose you, like you, you went to Pats then and then you, you finished up actually then playing for Bray Wanderers um, but how how um, how late or how soon in your footballing career were you already thinking about the future about getting into coaching was it something that you always aspired to I never thought about it really I never thought about it at all when I, when I was playing until 
until I got a phone call from Matt Britton, believe it or not. Okay. Well, sorry, okay. I, I'm being a bit loose there in, t- in terms of... I, I done my coaching badges in the UK while you were a young pro, so you've done a certain level of coaching badges over through, through the FA. That's part of your, your, your education over there at that particular time. So I would have done... Um, a lot of the basic entry level coaches coaching badges at that time, but you had no aspirations at that time. I, I thought I was always half decent on the game, was be reasonably solid in terms of you know the highs and lows of football. You, you know, was disappointed with my own playing career. I thought I underachieved, underperformed, and probably could have done more professionally off the pitch to to become a better player. But sometimes you're young, you know, you don't necessarily do the right things. I wasn't necessarily surrounded by by people that were giving you the advice that I probably needed at that particular time. So I was a little bit disappointed with my own career, um, you know, particularly at Pats, because we had a wonderful team at Pats. We had a great uh, three years. I was there. We won the league twice. Um, you know, lots of good players. Um, good environment created by Brian Kerr, by, by Pat Dolan, and then Liam Buckley. You know, um, the, 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 the club were doing really, really well. Played some big games in Europe, and, and there was an expectation at the football club to do really well. I was disappointed with my my spell at Pats. Certainly, in the last twelve months, ended up going to Australia. Had a little bit of time away from the game. Did you go and play football down there? No, I, I, I went. To, I went to travel. I did. End oh, you're yeah, Carl Spain. Yeah, yeah, that's Carl right. Carl Spain. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sorry, just don't need to come back. Carl <laughs> Spain, the comedian. He said, "Have you ever seen Keith Long? Tell him. Do you remember talking to me in Australia? <laughs> he make he make Keith Long. I did a thing with Carl Spain a couple of weeks, but." Uh, a fountain of knowledge that man oh he knows everything about football it's unbelievable and, yeah. and everything unbelievable. about 80s music as well his, his brother his brother is heavily involved Gary, in, yeah. in, in football down but in, Carl is because yeah. I used to think Gary was the encyclopedia Carl is the every bit the same and oh, man. some knowledge of football must uh, get him on the podcast I, yeah excellent yeah. I haven't answered your question about the coaching thing yes it was really when you're playing you're playing you're immersed in that I, I, I had a young family started a family uh, met my wife and and I, I had no real ambitions necessarily to, to, to coach, but um, I found I was okay in conversations with players and in the dressing room. Of, you know, I started to be curious about that. When, when you say you're okay with players, Keith, in terms of motivation analysis yeah, and, and tactics and, 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 and all and that. talking to the younger players, right. particularly at Bray, some of the younger players coming through, you know, the Eamon Zayeds uh, of this world, you know, that were coming through Bray at that time. Um, you, you know, um, that that my opinion on the game was reasonably sound if that call it that um you know i started to talk tactically to players a bit and different people on, on the game you looked at you started as you're coming towards the end you're you're looking at the game in a different light in a right. different way so so your opinion at, at the age of 29 30 is different to when when you're 20 you know when you don't really think about the game you just want to play so at that stage i think right i'm going to get more badges yeah, and I would have done, I would have done them through the FEI, through to the great Noel O'Reilly. You know, absolutely fantastic with us as an ex-Pats player. Mm-hmm. You know, would have, you know, be, Noel had a brilliant way with people, um, and and uh, you know, he encouraged me to get involved in coaching. I did that. Matt Britton gave me the call um, when he became player manager. I think at Dalky United. So we Darky. we ended up playing in uh, Premier League One, maybe or the Premier Division One, the one below Division One A or whatever it yeah. is, like a couple of divisions below the Leinster Senior League um, I, I was coaching enjoyed it with the lads um, 
got a little bit of a graph for it. Um, playing the mighty Begsborough on a Saturday morning. Oh, Sunday, Sunday morning <laughs> yeah. down in, down down the down in Hyde. Yeah, yeah, exactly, down the bogeys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So played played against them, coached against those teams and really enjoyed it. You know, was refreshed by it a little bit. So uh, having come out and retired from playing football with the, the birth of my first daughter, um, I, I hung up the boots. But but ended up at Dock. He loved it. Matt gave me an opportunity. It was you know, Eddie gave me a call then. Uh, Eddie Gormley at Bray, he was manager at Bray, asked me would I be interested in, in getting involved with them out in Bray. And, you know, um, I, I'll be forever indebted to the likes of Matt and, and, and to Eddie for, for giving me the start in football on the coaching ladder because, you know, um, I was young, I was unproven, but they could see that I had a drive. Was Eddie under it. pressure from... Uh, from is uh, from your father in law from Devo to give you a yeah, 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 maybe he was. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, probably uh, maybe Pat Devlin rang me through Eddie Gormley <laughs> to get involved at, at, at Bray. Maybe that was the case. We'll never give him a job over that, we got to say. Couldn't have handled nothing. Yes. <laughs> get him out. So, listen, I got the start at Bray to, to come in and coach, and it was great yeah, at the time working with a lot of young players. Eddie had a there was, there was a bit of a takeover at the club at the time. Alan Alan Cawley came in as a as a player. Clive club Delaney, we club brought captain. in a few. Boots. I brought the Gloriers. Yeah. We had a couple of good. We had, yeah, had some yeah. good players. Gavin Whelan had played. Derek Pender was there. Yeah, you man. know, was Buzzer Rowe Buzzer was playing up front. Team. You know, so Andy Myler. Yeah. You know, wow. so some good year, I think we finished fifth or sixth one of the years, which was yeah, yeah, yeah. really right. good at the time. Yeah, Young yeah, Derek yeah. Foran. So all these they had a decent side, and I was working with those Gary Cronin. Gary Cronin. Yeah, absolutely. So really? he would have learned from Eddie's mistakes. Right. <laughs> so I can, if you want to know what he's like as a coach, I can tell you. Oh, tell us all about it. Whatever you want to know. Tell us. I know he was very good, Keith. And as yeah. he said him there himself, Eddie was more forceful in his ways. Mm-hmm. And he, and in some situations, I suppose he had to be as the, as the manager. But Keith was always that go-between. And as he mentioned himself, very good speaking to people, the younger players in particular. We had a couple of younger lads, young Mark Duggan. And uh, I would have even found myself as a senior player Trying to help young Doggo as a young lad, he played. He, I think he was with Bowes for a while as well. Mm-hmm. Before That's he right, yeah, 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 where he would have started. Um, so the likes of that were as key. And Derek Foran coming in on loan yeah. from Pats to us at that at, at that time. But what I would say to you is, being on both sides of the fence in terms of coaching, assistant manager, manager, it's easy for an assistant manager, easier for an assistant manager to create those close relationships yeah. with players. Yeah, because you're almost the go between a yeah. little a little bit, and it's di- it's more difficult for uh, as a manager. So you have to understand that dynamic yeah, yeah. and I think and that's where know, the assistant plays his part and, and in terms a of a manager and his assistant that's where they have to be a team and I suppose from from me looking in on the outside and the managers I, w- I would have always said were the really good ones is someone who has that trust between his assistant yeah. you know that he, he can he, he doesn't feel anyways insecure about the fact that Keith might have a better relationship with me than maybe what I had with Eddie but there was still huge respect there but Keith was just that kind of as I say one you could go to speak to you know and I'm sure Keith was going back to Eddie but more in a way where look can yeah. we have a chat here do this or whatever you need that I'm sure Keith well, now as the manager has great trust in his assistants because he wants that role played for, for him by them well, I'm conscious. I'm conscious of time running away with us, lads, because we've so much to get through. Um, and and just to, sorry to just skip through your career again, Keith. But then your first, I suppose, uh, managerial job was with Athlone Town. Yeah. And uh, and 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 like, were you were you, like were you going into that with your eyes wide open? Were you uh, excited? Were you nervous? Were well, you? I mean, well, it wasn't it wasn't quite Athlone because I'd been at Bray for a while. Sorry, yeah, it's, yeah. It's a it's a it's a little bit in terms of was I head coach or was I manager or yeah. any of that type of stuff. I, I, the reality is, um, Pat. 
Devlin at the time Eddie had moved on gave me a start in terms of you know take the team I'll I'll oversee it as such you can you can recruit you can bring in the players that you want and and I'll let you more or less have have full reign on things so we, we, within reason so we worked with a lot of good young players at, at Bray at that time Dame Massey Dave Webster Gary McCabe Paddy, Paddy Cavanaugh, yeah. you know, so many players that would have came through at that. Paddy's a fan point. of the podcast, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I guess if we shared it there last <laughs> week. But a lot, lot of good young lads like, that would have got their, you know, first taste of senior football and professional football at Bray Wanderers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that gave me the opportunity to, to go in a, a, at loan uh, 12 games into the season. I think they well they hadn't got any points on the board, hadn't won any game, uh, any matches. And, uh, you know, it was difficult. It, mm-hmm. was, it was tough, but we 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 got them within an ass's roar of of of, of see, safety. See that, that, see that, see yeah. that longer. Just like you mentioned there about the position you're in now, and you would you wouldn't have taken the Waterford job unless you had seen the potential and all, like in terms of the infrastructure off the pitch and where they're looking to go. You would have been looking at the at loan situation, thinking, where do I even start? Maybe, yeah. but but it's a different dynamic in the start uh, in the sense that are you just looking for a start then? I think as a manager because I was a young coach at the I mean. time and um, so it could have been any club even a club that as you say it was as bleak as it was when you took over at Atlone but you just wanted your start you've you got to look at them as opportunities yeah. you mm-hmm. know an opportunity to try and you know do well at a football club and you know as a result of what I did at Atlone I came to the attention of the Bohemians you know Bohemians is a different club then as it is now yeah. and, and obviously that has to be you know in any any context has to be provided but you, you know, I've I, I done okay at, at Bray. People forget that I was at Bray for a long period of time. Would have introduced a lot of young players uh, with the late great Eddie Wallace at the time. Mm. We, 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 you know, he was brilliant in terms of finding players and bringing players to the club, uh, and and giving me a great mentorship in terms of grounding and how to how to treat people properly, create those relationships, build relationships, and identify players. And we were able to do that. And I, I think from that, I was able to bring that throughout my One career. Of your yeah, one of my strengths that I still still use to this day. But I look at that loan to answer your question directly, Alan. My time there was a brilliant opportunity to go into a club that was in the Premier Division that were struggling at that time and to try and, uh, you know, if we could resurrect them a little mm. bit, give them a fighting chance to stay up. Um, and we yeah, did a did. reasonably good job at that time. Unfortunately, we didn't quite keep the team up. But, but as like you said, said, it, it, did, it, it, gave it, me, it brought you to the attention of, yeah. if I want for a better expression, a bigger club like Bowes. And Bowes at that time, um, I think we're just just over the Aaron O'Callaghan. Uh, Aaron, now give him a shout out, did an amazing job in his one season that he was there with, with nothing, no resources. Then Keith came in. And Keith, you would have... Uh, almost in between. Oh, oh, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah, in between. All Aaron. the Bowes fans yeah. now gone, I can't believe he doesn't know our history. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. <laughs> Listen, I was in Munich all weekend drinking Erdinger. <laughs> I was... Um, uh, so, so, but Keith, like, just outside of football, you have a you like you have a job, right? You have a mm. job. You're like a business development manager of, of sorts, and you're going into the Bowes environment. Uh, so, you're the Bowes new manager. Bowes are like, there's, there's, they're in disarray. Let's let's be honest. They're in pretty much disarray. They're bringing you in. They're going. They're, they know what you can do with new and young players. Um, how does that work life balance work as you're a football manager coming to a club like Bowes? Like, how how does that work for? How did it work for you? Well, it, it, it was it, the work life balance had to be there from from the, your, your playing career, you mm-hmm. know. So you had to try and get that right all the way through your coaching career. So at every club, okay. up, up until the last couple of years at Bowes, um, 
I, I was I was I was part time. Yeah, you, you know, so sure, balance both very teams. very difficult. Yeah, you, you know, I listened to to a, a rival podcast last week, and they had a couple of guests on that are that are at part time clubs in the first division. You know, and and it was interesting because I'm traveling up and down to, to Waterford. It gives me time to listen to certain yeah. things I, I, that I wouldn't necessarily get the time to. Uh, you know, in in other scenarios, but. I was listening to how they juggle their working week as part-time players and, yes. you know, getting people to cover for them in their jobs and stuff like that. I couldn't do that in my in my job. I we I worked in a small company. I was, uh, you know, part of a, a you know a sales team. I was a business development manager. I would have been responsible for, you know, maybe you know the inside telly sales team and all that type of stuff. Responsible for bringing in, uh, uh, you know, revenue every mm-hmm. year. You know, responsible to a, a, a managing director that that basically micromanaged every every inch of every day. Um, but he understood that you know football was a passion of mine. That football could help the business to a certain extent, maybe open up doors and opportunities, but within reason. Yeah. You know, so so you know, I didn't. There was no room to hide in those in 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 my job. Mm-hmm. Um, it was difficult to manage that time as as Bose grew and grew. developed and got bigger and stronger. Mm-hmm. And every year, you, you know, there's different different requirements. There's different more and more needs. demands. There's on more you then, more demands, yeah. and and the club grew. It grew really, really, really well with with, with um, some good pe- people at the helm from yeah. a board perspective. You know, when Daniel came came on board in, in a full time capacity again, it grew the club even more. Daniel Dan Lambert, Lambert and, you know, as I, so, I call the socialist Jeff Bezos. What a man! Yeah, well, he's yeah, like he's yeah, he, he's done a, done an outstanding job yeah. for 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 the football club. But I suppose, you know, it was very difficult to manage and juggle your time because I had a responsibility to an employer, and I also had a responsibility to a football club. And why I referenced the last podcast, or another podcast, was because lads could get time off work, yeah. to travel away. I was taking days out of my holidays to travel right. away. Okay. And and my family would have suffered as a result of that because I'd only have a certain amount of holidays per year. So people don't see that side. Yeah, the, sacrifices. the sacrifices. that you make. And and one of the things that when I took this job, my 10-year-old daughter got upset because our holiday to Cyprus that there is planned in August, I wouldn't be able to go. And she got a little bit upset because she hasn't been away with me yeah. for, for, for the last oh, number of years. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know, so... Because my holidays at Bohemians were used up travelling to Cork or to Sligo or to Donegal. Wow. So, or, what, what or, the, so what are you doing about the holiday in August? Well, listen, the family are going <laughs> and uh, I'm sure we'll be able to FaceTime. Uh, really? You know, Modern yeah, technology yeah, yeah. small so, world. See, it's stuff like that are people are realise. And, yeah. ta- and thankfully we're but going to... But I'm at a full-time club and I'm lucky to be at yeah. a full-time club. So we'll always... Absolutely, of course. Uh, you and thankfully, like... The league is in a position where we're all obviously uh, keen observers and, and want the league to do well and flourish. And it's at a point where we're hopefully building towards somewhat of an industry in time that they're all full time. Unfortunately for Keith was playing or managing, sorry, at that time. When that's the reality and the sacrifice that people have to make, Eric, and not just Keith all over, you have Kevin Doherty at the moment managing the league, doing the same thing I know Kevin is doing, working and players doing the same. Yeah. It's mm. very difficult and that's why... Well, some jobs want, are more amenable yeah. to, to having a career in, 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 in the League of Ireland. But ideally we want to get to a stage where these things are not... Ha- that that right. Keith's a full-time manager, yeah. Eric's a full-time player and we all just get on and the family are happy. And, and the family are happy. And you're absolutely right. We have to have a football industry in this country, a sustainable football industry in this country to grow 
the, the, the League of Ireland, but also to help the academy structures in this country produce better players, which in turn will hopefully inc- lead to a better league with better young players and also then hopefully down the line international football. Yeah. Um, I suppose there's the, like it's, we're talking about the FEI and development of the game and the local game here and the but we all we're, all we're all big League of Ireland fans here. We wanted to see reach its potential and it seems to be growing and growing and growing. And every league round you look at now, there's an increase in tendencies. There's a real grow, and I think COVID had a had a positive effect in in a bizarre way as well on the local game. But does this report going out and about at the moment um, from the FEI and they're looking for massive investment from the government? And it just to touch off a couple of the points, there's like it's a 15-year plan, right? And they want 690 million funding as they unveil. Uh, the, the, the FAI basically said it's time to deliver a new future for the League of Ireland. And just to touch off some of the things, uh, 426 million goes to grassroots football, 390 million to the League of Ireland. They want to have 10 stadiums, each with a 20,000 capacity in place by the next 15 years and 10 other stadiums of 6,000 capacity. And within five years, they want five grounds with a 10,000 capacity, five of 7,000 and 10 that could sit 4,000. Now that seems very, very ambitious. But, just to throw it out there to his lads, at least the conversation is happening and it's something that we all need. Yeah, well, we have to be ambitious for football in this country and it's great. Now, I don't know if if, if that report... Is official or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but but we have to be ambitious for football in this country. You know, why can't we, as, as, a, as a sport, you know, lobby our government for, for funding to, to improve... Football in this country. It's the highest it's, participation sport. It's the, in the biggest country. participated sport in the country. You know, our international team, we want our international teams of all ages and, and men's and women's qualifying for Europe. Yeah. Our women's team are in Australia this yeah, year. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, at the World Cup, isn't it fantastic? Yeah. You know, we want more girls playing football yeah. in this country to play sport football in this country. And, and, the FEI, if that's the the figures that are uh, purported to, to 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 be in this in this plan, it's good that's radical. It's good that it's ambitious. We got to aim high and we got to be ambitious for football in this country. That's the word, Eric. Radical. When I first started the media stuff, I remember writing articles about this, particularly about facilities and investment. Going back to 2013, it was, and it's radical change that has always been needed. Even at this point, and you're mentioning that it's growing and growing, and it, it is, and it's great. And for the first time, we get a sense of there's something happening in the country to back up all the stuff that we might be saying. Um, you might look at those figures on paper, and and eyes might pop out. But that is exactly what's needed. Or Keith mentions being ambitious. The one thing that's holding us back at the moment, and as you know more than anyone, and as Keith, Dalyman Park or any of the grounds, I was in the showgrounds last night, it's the facilities and the infrastructure because how many thousand could Bose sell out at the moment in terms of fans that want to go to games, sellouts, and, and because they only have is a three and a half at the moment. Well, it's four and a half thousand now, but yeah, no, but, but, but there's like but a waiting list of another seven, two thousand. could have seven like every yeah. week if they yeah. wanted. Or, and that's to the stage, and even beyond that and better again. So these figures, as I say, even though on paper they may be eye-watering figures, this is exactly what's required and needed. And these are, if you have to aim high and shoot high, and Finally, as we as we feel, because this report has been uh, submitted or whether it has been submitted, because this conversation has started and has taken place and the people are backing up the sentiments, politicians as well, you see coming out now lately and whether people want to say it's for political gain, whatever the case may be, that's what we need and that's what we require. The GEA have backed up politi- and politicians with p- political gain for themselves for years. Why can't we jump on that bandwagon yeah. as well? And it's main, it's badly, badly needed and badly required. So it's great to see. 100%. Um, uh, Keith, obviously, uh, as you know me as a, as a, as a big Bowes fan, um, I just want to talk a little bit about your time at Bowes and uh, I was always, uh, like Al, 
a massive fan uh, of what you did, for, particularly from when when you came in and to where we were to to, to when it finished. Like the the the, the ascent was just incredible. Um, to the point where I thought it was gas on Twitter saying we need to rename the Jody stand the long stand do you know what I mean just <laughs> can we not get a statue of Keith Long outside the ground all of this kind the of stuff the long Jody stand no? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. but um, you know obviously uh, it, 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 you had some amazing times there at Keith could I ask you even maybe to partic- is there one particular highlight of your time at Bowes that you you look back fondly and relish and go, oh yeah, that was an, that was an amazing amazing moment or time. Yeah, I suppose there's there's lots of highs. There's quite a few lows in there too. But um, I suppose the proudest I was of of the club and the team uh, was was in Europe uh, against a, a team from Hungary called Fehrvar. Oh yeah, and uh, so. It, it, it was in COVID times. Nobody in the stadium. Nobody in the stadium. There was some supporters outside the stadium for the away <laughs> team or for the, the home team. We were the away team. It was a one-off, le- a one-off game. That's so, right, yeah. so Not one home and away. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, high-ranking team. Um, re- re- well-resourced in, in, in a first-class modern stadium. Um, we're talking about the infrastructure here, but, you know, their government... Um, puts a lot of money and emphasis into their national sport, which is sure. Look at the, the stadiums for the under 17s last week. That's right. Week. Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. So um, we were we were up against the top ranking side. They were really good side. Um, nobody gave us a, a, a chance, but the the boys were outstanding. They, oh, I remember they, it. They were they were absolutely outstanding. We brought them to to penalties after extra time. We could have won the game, and the, we could have lost the game. You know, there was heroics all over the pitch. Um, you know, that was, but not many people got to see that performance. But I remember what it meant to the people that were there from the club in the stand and how proud they were of the team. And I was extremely proud because tactically, uh, myself, Trevor, all the backroom team, you know, worked so, so hard to try and give the team everything that they that, that they needed to prepare them as best they possibly could for the game. Um, but all that preparation counts for nothing unless you deliver on the football pitch and the boys were just magnificent. Oh, so, outstanding. And, I should have won the game. We should we should have probably yeah. won the game and again, it would yeah, where would it rank in terms of Irish victories? And it wasn't a moral victory. We weren't claiming any of that yeah. type of stuff. We were disappointed to go out uh, but we felt proud that we could have done we couldn't have done anything different or any better, you know, other than what we did on that night. And that was one of one of the occasions where I thought, you know, we've done everything. You're happy. You go to yeah. bed asleep knowing that you've done everything. And like obviously, I mean, I can pick out highlights myself. And obviously, then like you mentioned the European run, and obviously for me personally, the the three nights at the Aviva, like I, I've mentioned to you before, I'll three of the best nights of my life, just as 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 a footballer, as a League of Ireland fan, nights for my son as well. As a, yeah, little Harry, yeah, Loved as a Bose fan, just. And it was it was obviously coming through COVID as well. There was restrictions on the capacity in the Aviva. The first game against uh, the Icelandic team, Stanyar, and then Dudelange. Who are like Dudelange have a good European pedigree? Like they've been in group stages of 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 the Europa League and all this kind of stuff. And and both dispatched both of them very very comfortably. And then you're playing Powak, who are like have superstars like Shinji Kagawa yeah. playing for them. Like and all these other players, and they've got they're a multi million uh, euro club, massive massive Greek club. And we go out and just give it to them at the Aviva. Like, three, like, what are your memories of those nights in the Aviva? I think their playing budget was 65 million per annum. Something <laughs> like that I mean? for the players, international players. You're right, the Aviva games were, were, were brilliant for the football club. People coming out of COVID. My family were there. My, yeah. my, you know, it was brilliant for my kids. Brilliant for all our kids, the backroom staff, the players, to play in, that, in, that, in the Aviva stadium, to have supporters back in. 
there was 9,000, 6,000 supporters, 9,000 supporters, I think, Just at the Gout bigger. game. Yeah. I, I, I think you, you could have, you, you felt the stadium was full. Yeah. Absolutely full. The boys played exceptionally well. We played some really good stuff. And they, they embraced it. They loved the challenge yeah. of going up against top-ranking teams. Pelk, Playing on a nice pitch and a nice Lovely stadium. pitch. And look at it, some of the goals that we scored. Like Some of the goals we scored were, were terrific. Players were, you know, maybe we were suited to, to European football. Yeah. Some of the players like Liam Burt, who yeah. shone on those, on those nights, suited to the, the big stage in the Aviva. And the, on Ali Coop getting two against Pelk. Yeah. But, but Georgie Kelly, oh, Georgie. the boys... Uh, the, 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 oh, you're the making me emotional here, Keaton. Ross <laughs> Tierney, Dawson showing his qualities and all that type of stuff. So listen, um, you know, some great nights, some great moments. You know, unfortunately, there was the flip side of that as well. We lost the cup final that year on yeah. penalties, which was really disappointing and took it took a, a lot out of the team. We How lost. much pressure, Keith, did you feel going into the cup final? Because you, you mentioned there when you took over where, and as Eric said, where Bowes were, you brought it up through over the years of limited resources, progressively getting better year on year. You get it to the point where you have these European nights with a top, with a quality team, with quality players competing in Europe and then you feel this is it now we've we've come all over the years and this is the point where the cup final will kind of validate all those efforts that we've put in and I we were working on the game and St. Pat's obviously a newer manager Stevie's trying to do something similar to what you may be done in your first year at Bowes new to a club so I even I remember referencing this that it was so important for you and Bowes to win that cup final and, and to lose it in the manner that you did like does does that absolutely kill you? Like it does. Yeah. But you asked me first about pressure. Uh, did I feel pressure going into the cup final? That this is something that we had to win. Yeah. Listen, could th- you enjoy it? Even I didn't enjoy it because um, you were up in the stands. That wasn't great. It was a bit of a sideshow at times, yeah. and you know the camera falling in around the building yeah. and stuff like that. You know, nonsense. We but, kept seeing it on the big screen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but but I suppose pressure from a club perspective. I wanted to deliver so much for 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 the Bow supporters that that wanted success in terms of validation silverware, right? So there's no doubt we grew the club. There's no doubt year on year the club were progressing on and off the pitch. And there's some brilliant foundations put in place to this day. And and and, and hopefully the club can continue to grow and prosper. Um, but, but we did this over a period of time. We didn't do it, you know, boom or bust. It was done sustainably. So we built a football club. We put proper structures in place. We we lost a lot of our best players year on year. Yeah. Um and, and we replaced them with sometimes better, better players. Better players, yeah. Um, and better players that understand the club and and what we wanted from the team. It would have been brilliant for everybody at the club, the supporters, the board, the players, the staff at the club that have put in so much time and effort to to produce um, validation, like you said, with mm. some silverware. There's no doubt about it that it was a kick um, in the stomach, and and we felt it for some time afterwards. Um, and Did you feel that might have been the beginning of the end? Then I I didn't I I, I didn't because I you know because we had done so well in Europe, we brought the club on again. We finished second and third, you know, with relatively lean resources. Um, and and we were in a cup final we lost a cup final by a kick of a ball that can happen um, did I feel under pressure I think I think maybe maybe in, in I didn't feel under pressure going into the cup final I didn't feel any pressure after the cup final necessarily other than the disappointment of losing and not being able to produce for the, for, for the supporters 
maybe some, maybe Eric might be able to tell you more, maybe some supporters lost a little bit of faith after that cup final defeat um, because what happened certainly early into the next campaign, um, you know, four or five games into the season, we were... Um, you know, we were subject to, to, you know, the anger from supporters in terms of performances and some of the results. And and absolutely supporters up and down the country, once they pay their money, mm. they're entitled to their opinion. And and that's the way they saw things as, as as they were. And as it turned out, we had a disappointing season last year. I paid the price for that with my job at the club. And, um, you know... But at that time, looking back on it, you know, in hindsight, you probably think, was that the start of the end? I don't know. It didn't feel like that at the time. I know it was gut-wrenching to lose the cup final. But after a couple of weeks of disappointment and feeling sorry for yourself, you get back on with the job in hand. You get back to recruiting. You get back to your mm-hmm. squad. We lost key players at the end Always. of that season. Yeah. Rob Cornwell, yeah. Keith Ward, Keith Buckley. You know, for different reasons, we lost them. Club got Keith Buckley back in the in the winter. Mm -hmm. You know, and and that they're difficult to replace. And and maybe maybe, you know, maybe some of the 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 spirit was knocked out of you a little bit when you when you come back in having invested so much in the club, losing your players. That was one thing that as well, even from me as an outsider going into the games, was you built so much on that. He had good car. Like it wasn't just about having good, really good players. There was so many of them who you might even call not the best players in the league, but unbelievable characters and great lads and that spirit that she had. I felt the following season that, that as you, you mentioned it, the spirit had got... The, we, we lost the, a little bit the of balloon that was burst that a little we had bit, yeah. previously. Remember, I had, I had brilliant people around me. I had Trevor Crowley, like, you know, a manager in his own right. Mm-hmm. You, you know, one of the best coaches in the country um, and he's respected the length and breadth of the country by players and, and other coaches alike. I had Ramey Tang, a fitness coach who was... Out, outstanding, unbelievable in his field. Um, I had other coaches coming through, like Chris Bennion, goalkeeping coach. You know, long long terms, uh, long term um, staff or goalkeeping coach out Bohemians. You had Derek Pender coming through as as coach as an ex captain. He drove the dressing room, the culture in mm. the dressing room. He passed the baton on to the key Buckleys of this world, the Ross Tierneys and the Dawson, the boys that came into the dressing room, the Georgie Kellys, the players that came in. They bought into the culture at the club. They bought into the vision and the identity that we had for. For, for the team at that particular time um, and we did lose they become away from that it wasn't it wasn't a strategic decision for sure mm. we lost some big big characters but you know listen ultimately I I have to accept responsibility for, for what happened on the football pitch last year we lost a lot of games that we should have won and we drew a lot of games that we should have won you know, if you look at this year, the, what a brilliant start Bohemians had. Um, I think they, tw- uh, I don't know what it was, uh, out of the first nine games, I think they had... Seven s- wins or something like that. Something like that, like yeah. that yeah. you know what I mean? An outstanding start of the season. Yeah. That gives you a great chance. Had we have started last year, like in that vein, yeah. having lost a cup final... Different would the story. Support, different story. But like I said... I'm responsible for, for recruitment at the, at the football club at that particular time. I'm responsible for players coming and going at that particular time. Some Somewhere outside of my, my hands, outside of my control. But the, certainly the players coming in, you know, we, we, we didn't quite live up to our high standards and expectations. And, and yeah, listen, 
Uh, you were there for eight years, seven and seven years, eleven months. Um, that's a long time for anybody to be involved. Uh, yeah, anyone, really is. Anyone it's like a testament you know, to, the, to, the, to the work you did there, Keith. And I always hold this man in high regard. Yeah. As, Along as with a other fan. people, Eric, it has to be okay. said because the yeah. club was starting to get. It was well run off the pitch, mm-hmm. you know, and also it had a brilliant backroom team. We talk about players leaving clubs. How would you feel? This is a funny. We have to wrap up the podcast now, as we've time is as our enemy. Talking about losing players for you, how would you feel? Right, there's a story breaking today, um, that a League of Ireland player might be going on to Love Island. All right, uh, yeah. name him. Oh, oh no, no, we can't say. It. Well, look, is he an ex League of Ireland player? There's, 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 there's one or two. Why are you, out, why are you out of me like you? this, sir? <laughs> Carly got the call. <laughs> no, the um, there's there's a there's a story growing, and you'll see it all over uh, the social media when you finish the podcast, lads. But there's a League of Ireland player who's heavily rumored to be going on Love Island. How would you feel about a player, Keith, at Waterford coming up to you going, "Listen, boss, I'm going to have to take six weeks off. I'm going to wherever they fill them in." But when you think about it, when we talk about the challenges of League of Ireland players, they're not on great money. Not all of them are on great money, particularly I was imagining the first division. But he has a chance to go to Love Island, where he could make an absolute fortune. <laughs> I mean, how would you how would you deal with that, Keith? As long as it's not Ronan Coughlin, we're, we're all right. Um, Ronan's not a bad-looking boy, you know. I think, I think, I think he's got a, a long-term partner. But yeah. listen, uh, I don't know how you answer that. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, it happened last year at Macclesfield. Did it? They gave oh, their that's ble- right. They yeah. gave their blessing. Oh really? Yeah, they gave their blessing. I suppose they're looking. It's a bit of high profile for Macclesfield. A bit of that, yeah. and a bit maybe Who's the lad, the chairman of Robbie Savage, isn't right. he? Okay, and right. maybe they went to him and said, "Look." This is an op- just like you outlined here, Eric. It's an opportunity for the lad, and he wants to go. Yeah. It always for me the likes of this would always depend on how good he is. Yeah, and if yeah. he was bang average, away you go, son. Well, well the rumor is he's a fringe player, so he's off, obviously off not- you go to Love Island. <laughs> <laughs> off you go to Love Island. Okay, listen. Um, that is House of Football for this week, episode 11. Uh, I've been Eric Lawler. I just want to give a huge thanks to, to my guests this week, uh, Alan Cawley, and in particular, Keith Long. Keith, thanks very much for coming in. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, right. Keith. And we'll be back next week. Thanks very much. Tune in, follow, subscribe, tell your mates. See you soon. You've been listening to House of Football, brought to you by Sports Joe and William Hill.